Welcome, ladies. We are so grateful that you took the time to be here tonight. Uh, just a couple of things on behalf of my wife and I. Number one, if you don't know my wife, then you don't understand how incredibly uncomfortable she is right now just standing here. She literally whispered and said, can I get off now? And I said, no, stand with me, baby. Stay by my side. Uh, it's our honor and it's our privilege to introduce our guest speaker tonight. Holly Davis is the National Fine Arts Director for the Assemblies of God. And so, and her title actually expanded, but it's too complicated for me to remember right now, Holly. Uh, but uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, her husband, Troy Davis, ministered to us on Sunday morning. And uh, Holly is an experienced speaker. She travels across the country sharing the gospel, preaching to young people, to old people, to all people. And uh, when we found out that we were able to fit in her schedule, we jumped at the opportunity. And so Holly literally flew in for this tonight, and she flies out tomorrow morning as she gets ready for a heavy camp season. But ladies, would you give a round of applause for our guest speaker, Holly Davis? Let's go this way. Belmont Sisterhood, what's going on? Okay, I don't, I don't know if, if y'all know it yet or not, but hopefully by the end of this night, we're going to be good friends, right? We're going to have a good time tonight, right? Right? All right, so listen, I got my Sisterhood Belmont shirt on. So Pastor Joey, where'd he go? He left. He's like, I'm out. This is girls. Where you at? And Pastor Cicely, Pastor Joey, Pastor Cicely, thank you so much. It is an incredible honor to, to ask someone to come into your home, your house. Thank you. My friend, it's an honor. I am just so privileged to be here. Can you give your pastors just a big round of applause? I, listen, and we got the cheerleading squad back there in the back. Can you just follow me? I'm going to be at Kansas Youth Camp next week. Can you just come with me? And we'll be, and you guys just, you know, because listen, I don't know if you've ever preached to teenagers before, especially middle school boys, but often they will look at me like, what is she on? What? What planet did she come from? Pastor Joey, am I right? Like trying to communicate to the eighth grade boy who's been in the, the basketball court, hasn't showered for three days, has eaten nothing but Doritos and Mountain Dew. Like that's my, what I get the honor to do. So cheerleading squad, I need you to come with me. You're going to be on contract. All right. We're going to have such an amazing time tonight. As I said it, my name is Holly. I come to you from Springfield, Missouri. I'm originally from Kansas City. That's where I grew up. What? For real? Who said that? Let's go. I would do the time. I mean, but, you know, we won the Super Bowl. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm like, okay. All right. I, there's an anointing over there. I just sense it. <laughs> Grew up in Kansas City. I ended up, I started the evangel, ended up at Southwestern Assemblies of God University down in Waxahachie, Texas. Look at your neighbor and say, Waxahachie. See if you can say it right. Waxahachie. I know. I know. It takes a minute. Waxahachie. 
We started out as youth pastors there from Waxahachie, Texas. We went to Memphis. We youth pastored there. Anybody from the Memphis area? Okay, all right, moving on. We youth pastored there, and then we ended up in North Carolina for about 17 years. We youth pastored for 11 years, and then we served as the district youth directors for North Carolina for almost six years. So I say all that to say, even though I'm originally from the Midwest, right, I consider myself a Southern gal, okay? So that means... That it's okay, listen, if you want to holler back at me tonight when I preach, I would appreciate it. My cheerleading squad, if you want to give a woohoo. But listen, I have no fear, no qualms about you talking back to me, okay? You can give me an amen. You can be like, girl, calm down. You can be like, "Uh uh-huh, let's go preach, okay? I'm totally good with that. Listen, during worship... In all seriousness, in worship tonight, the Holy Spirit was moving in this room. And I heard the Holy Spirit say that this room, in this room, the every female, whether you're in middle school, high school, a young adult, a senior adult, adult, this is not just a room of women, Pastor Joey, but this is an army. This is an army. This is God's army in this house tonight. And I believe, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, I believe that the Lord has a word for you. May you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name. Ladies, hear me. I want you tonight to have the freedom that if the Holy Spirit begins to move, listen, this is a safe place because God is going to do things in this room tonight. I have been praying for you. I have been fasting for you. And I believe wholeheartedly that what happens tonight, what has been happening in the sisterhood of Belmont, that this is just the beginning of what God wants to do. And the enemy would like nothing more than to keep you silent. The enemy would like nothing more than to keep you in your seat for fear, for doubt, for anxiety. But I prophesy over you, as that song said tonight, we prophesy that in the name of Jesus, that chains will be broken, that lives will be changed, that they will be restored in the name of Jesus. Can we give God some praise in this house? Hallelujah. God is going to move. God is going to move. It is such an honor to be with you. And if you would just give me a minute, I want to pray a prayer that I typically pray before I begin any sermon. And I pray the prayer that comes from Acts chapter 4. And the disciples had been before the Sanhedrin, and they had been persecuted, and they had been jailed because they were preaching Jesus. And normally, when we spend any kind of time in jail, right, we would be sad, we would be uh, stressed, we would be anxious. But scripture tells us in Acts 4 that the disciples come back 
And not only are they not afraid, not only are they not dismayed, but they are rejoicing that they were persecuted. They considered it, Pastor Joey, an honor to be persecuted. And they prayed this prayer. And I'd ask it if you'd pray with me tonight as well. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, would you enable me to speak your word with great boldness? Would you stretch out your hand tonight to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? I pray that ears would be opened. I pray that hearts would be softened. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would testify about Jesus in this room tonight. And we promise to give you and you alone all of the praise. Because apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. If we remain in you and our, and our words remain in you, we can do all things. And we give you and you alone all of the praise in your mighty and precious name. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you better put your seatbelt on. Put your Holy Ghost seatbelt on. I am fully anticipating just an incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, listen, this is a moment of celebration. If you feel like you need to give God a shout of praise at any point in time, you do so because chains are falling in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pastor Cicely said it, but I want to echo what she said. You are not here by accident tonight. How many of you were working today? And yet you're here. You probably maybe have children at home. You have spouses at home. You have responsibilities. And yet you're here. And I do not believe that there is ever an accident that you're here. It is on purpose. And I'm asking you to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you tonight. I want to talk to you really quickly about some different cultures and how they deal with death. Do you agree with me that every culture has a unique way for honoring the dead and expressing grief over a loved one, correct? Different cultures. If you're in South Africa, for example, the mourners will cover all of the windows of the deceased with ash and remove all the beds to allow for mourners to come in. If you're in Mongolia, as a sign of respect, the family will perform a sky burial where they place the body in a place of high altitude and leave the body to be consumed by the local wildlife. Interesting, right? Or you could be in Cambodia, and mourning is demonstrated by the shaving all of the hair from your head and wearing white. The body remains in the home and then is later cremated. 
And in the Haitian culture, where the grieving process is one of outward expression that could be considered over the top to some, they call it a feast of death, and it is announced to the entire village where they gather to mourn and to grieve. The night before the funeral, chants and dances are performed. And then on the day of the funeral, everyone dresses in their very best clothes. And then the funeral procession passes through the village several times. Most interestingly enough in the Haitian culture is that as they are dealing with their grief and their mourning, their outward expression, the outward emotion, the outwardness of their grief to some could be considered loud, but it is the way that their culture deals with grief. It is an outward expression that is not bottled up for a private moment, but it is displayed for everyone to see. Loud wailing can be heard from far away, and there is almost a guttural sobbing, a loud, physical, demonstrative expression of the inward pain And it is put on display to demonstrate the emotional toll that death has taken on them. And I think, ladies, we can all agree tonight that death, no matter what culture you're in, no matter where you're from, it is emotional because of the separation that it causes. Would you agree? It's a physical loss as well as an emotional one. The person that has now died is no longer there. Their absence marks a physical bodily response from the griever, one that produces an outward cry as as if to literally push the pain of the loss out of the body's cavity. Have you ever experienced grief like this before? You don't have to answer, but if you have, it's not only emotional, but it is physically painful. It is such a violent pain that can wreck your body to the point of loud wails and sobs. Troy and I, I mentioned earlier that we served as youth pastors in North Carolina for 11 years. And no matter what type of pastor you are, you get close with the people in your church, right? And as a youth pastor, you become extremely close with your students. And we had a young lady that we were fortunate enough that she came into our youth group when she was in the sixth grade, and we got to watch her graduate all the way to high school and into her second year at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, she wanted to be a missionary doctor in India. She was an incredible girl, full of life. If you think I'm spunky, she was spunkier. You heard her before you saw her, right? She would come into a room and light it up with her personality, and she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. When she was at the University of of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, 
She would come back and forth as a youth leader and as a fine arts coach for us. You're a month, you can do it. But she would come back, she was faithful, she loved students, and she loved our church, and she loved us, and we loved her. And in January of 2016, it was the end of January, we had just spent Christmas with her and her family, and she had gone back to school, and it was the end of January, and she texted me one night. It was about 8 o'clock at night. I looked at my phone. I said, oh, I got a text from Vincy. She was, in, she was Indian, and her name was Vincy, and she was absolutely beautiful. And she texted me, and she said, I went to the emergency room today. I've been having some headaches, and they think they found a brain tumor. 21 years old. And I went, is this a joke? Is this for real? Like she was a jokester. I thought, surely this is not real. And I texted her back and I said, girl, you better stop lying to me. Because I know you lying. She said, no. She showed me the scan that they had done. And it was a tumor about this big. And they immediately took her to Duke the neighboring university there, and they begin to do um, all the scans, all the, all the procedures, everything, the PET scans, everything. They ended up uh, doing a surgery that cut into her skull to remove the tumor, sewed her back up. This was in February, and six weeks later, on March 16th, 2016, she passed away. And I don't know about you, the story still makes me emotional, but I'll never forget being in the hospital room with her parents, with her younger sister, who, who was, she couldn't even process words, her grief was so strong. And I remember the doctor comes into the room, and he says to the family, it's time to turn the machines off. She has no more brain activity. The only thing that's keeping her alive is the machines. And I just remember thinking, is this real? She's 21 years old. Is this real? And the nurses came in, and the doctors came in, and I remember they turned off the machines, and I heard that beep where it went from her heartbeat just to the flat line. And it was actually a very beautiful moment, one, because we knew that she was now with Jesus, where we immediately were envious for, to, for to be in the presence of, of almighty God. And we literally sang hymns. We sang her into heaven, into Jesus's arms. But I'll never forget, once that was over, I walked into the bathroom. I needed a moment of privacy. And thankfully, it was a small bathroom. And just like I described here in the Haitian culture, where their grieving is outwardly, I remember I could not get to that stall fast enough. I opened the door. I closed the stall door. And I remember, Remember, I tried to grab onto the door because my grief was so strong. My hand slipped off the door and my whole body collapsed in grief and in outward sobbing. Death is emotional and it's deep and it's difficult. And it was one of the most hardest things that as pastors that we had ever 
walked through. I had not heard those sounds. I remember thinking as I'm laying on the floor of that bathroom, who is screaming like that? And I realized that it was me. But it was real. And it was loud. And it was awful. And it was death. Death is never easy. It's never easy. And it often causes us to react in ways that we did not even expect. As females, and I'm so glad it's just females in here tonight, because we can talk real, right? As females, we feel in a deepness that is unlike no other. God has designed and made us to be these emotional creatures. And so no matter where you're from, if you've experienced any kind of a death, it's real and it's difficult. And as I tell you that story tonight, I want to turn that story to a death story that we read about in the Bible. And if you've got your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to John chapter 11, and we'll be starting in verse 1. Wow, Holly, what an emotional way to start the service. You could have at least told a joke or two. (laughs) But I feel like the Lord has a word for tonight that surface jokes just will not do. The Lord has a word for you tonight, my ladies and my friends. And I feel like it's important for us to get to it. Amen? Is that okay? So turn with me to John. I'm reading in the NIV translation. And I'll be reading and starting in verse 1. Usually at youth camps, when I ask the students if they got your Bibles, I'll say, do you got it? And they'll say, all right. And I'll say, if you don't got it, you got to say my bad. Okay. (laughs) I don't know who said it, but you're awesome. (laughs) That was awesome. She's like, my bad. My bad. We're going to be reading in John 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus, say Lazarus, was sick. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this story, just so I kind of know. Okay. He was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. This is important. Lazarus is sick, and the sisters send word to Jesus. And they say, Lord... The one you love, the one that you love and are close to, Lord, is sick. And when he heard this, I feel like this verse always stumps me. Because the sisters say to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus' response is, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, 
Did he go immediately? What did he do? He stayed. <laughs> like, okay. All right. He stayed where he was for not 12 hours, for not 24 hours. Scripture says, my beautiful friend right here, that he stayed for two more days. I'm confused. Do you love Lazarus or not? I'm confused, but that's okay. He stayed where he was for two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judah. And I go down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Martha is a woman of action. She is a woman of action. We find Martha, right? She's the sister that's up cooking and cleaning and straightening and fluffing pillows, right? While Mary is at Jesus' feet. But Martha is a woman of action. How many of you can, re can relate to that? Like, we're like, uh-huh, listen, my husband didn't get the lunches made, I'll do it. The laundry's not done, I'll do it. They need somebody for audiovisual, I'll do it. They need, I will do it. I am a woman of action. Come on, we need you. We're so thankful for you. But Martha, hearing that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I talked about it earlier. Every culture deals with death differently. Martha, a one of action, hears that Jesus is finally here. She rushes to meet him at the gate. Do you think she said it in anger? We don't know. Do we think she said it with emotion? Probably. And she said, Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. There was belief. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, he said, woman, I am the resurrection and the life. You're looking at it. You don't have to wait till the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Can you imagine the emotion, the power as the king of kings prophesied into the realm I am the resurrection and the life. That is who you are speaking to. 
And he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he looks at her. And I can only imagine that he made eye contact with her. And he said, do you believe this? Piercing into her spirit. Going, do you believe this? Go down to verse 28. After Martha had said that, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Scripture says that when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet. Just as I was in the bathroom stall, grieving over the loss of one of our students, my knees could not contain, could not hold my body weight. As Mary approaches Jesus, she approaches him and falls at her feet. And she utters the same words that Martha had to Jesus. Here is what she said, falling at his feet. She said, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he turns to her and says, where have you laid him? And this is where the story turns. Where have you laid him? Jesus, the resurrection and the life, says, take me there. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus is weeping. And then the Jews say, see how he loved him. And some of them even said, could he not He who opened the eyes of the blind even kept this man from dying. This is a side message, but be careful who you surround yourself with. Be careful who your ears listen to. Could this man who even opened the eyes of the blind make it so that Lazarus could live? Be careful who you listen to. But Jesus, once more deeply moved, now he comes to the tomb. And scripture tells us that it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And the resurrection and the life says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Martha says, but Lord, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been here for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And as the resurrection and the life said, take away the stone, they take the stone and they roll it away. 
And then Jesus looks up and he prays to his father. And he says, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. For I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, remember Jesus, fully man, but fully God. The creator of the universe looks into that cave, deeply into that cave, and he says, Lazarus, come out. The king of kings and the Lord of lords has declared a command. And what does scripture say? It says that the man who was dead comes out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This, ladies... I'm speaking to an army of females who come into this room tonight who are the tip of the spear. You are anointed and called by God. And I am expecting that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will speak to you tonight. The resurrection and the life has a word for you tonight. If you would only have ears to hear. And in life, ladies, circumstances, marriages, children, finances, dreams, and goals can die. And they can expire before we even realize it. I introduced this message talking about physical death, but things can die right before our very eyes that are not physical but perhaps it is a dream. Maybe it was a calling that the God put in you, even as a young child. And as you now even begin to think of it, it's died before we even realize it. I don't know about you, but I often go to the grocery store with good intentions to eat healthy. Am I the only one? I know they say to stick to the outside of the grocery store, right? They're like, if you're going to get slim and trim, you need to go to the fruits and vegetables. But every week, I find myself making a grocery list that probably won't happen. But I make myself a grocery list, and I'm putting things on there like asparagus and Brussels sprouts And zucchini, because it's got all the fiber in it, right? Am I the only one? Please tell me I'm not the only one. And I am very proud in the grocery store, too. I'm taking the little baggie down. I'm like, yes, look at me. I'm eating my greens. Yes. Yes, yes. Drop it in the bag. Yep. Plop it in the basket. Yep. Good intentions this week. Monday is always the best day. By Friday, And what do you do? Like, I find myself going, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to get slim. I'm going to do all the things I'm supposed to do. My ninja will make the smoothies for me. But by Friday, they're still sitting in my refrigerator, expired, moldy, mushy, 
uneatable. And where they end up? In the trash can. Am I, I'm not the only one, right? Please make me feel good. <laughs> but life does that sometimes, doesn't it? We have things that in the best of intentions, with the best of goals and visions and dreams and aspirations, they metaphorically sit in our refrigerator and they die, they expire, they're uneatable, there's no benefit to them. And I use that as an example for sometimes in life we have things that were of the very best intentions that like a vapor has disappeared and died. And we think it's of no use. And we think that we cannot get the benefit of it anymore. My question to you tonight is, what has died for you? Is it a calling that the Lord gave you many years ago as a, as a teenager or a child? Is it, is it an actual child that you prayed and prayed for and maybe actually conceived but was taken from your womb prematurely? Is it a physical illness that causes you so much pain that you are unable, unable to sleep well, even at night? In fact, the nighttime is the worst. The pain mixed with insomnia has left you exhausted. Or perhaps it is, it's an abusive relationship as a child or an adult, a financial crisis that looms over you like a heavy blanket that you cannot seem to crawl out from under? Is it an overwhelming sense of anxiety or suicide-type thoughts that permeate every second of your day, leaving you unable to function? Death, something that has expired, a relationship, a desire, a calling that never materialized Whatever it is, whatever the reason, can break even the strongest of individuals. Death, physical or not, leaves the body weak and heart heavy. With tears that are like a dam ready to break through. Bones frail, smiles and joy are the thing of the past. Even with our strongest facade on, death, no matter what type it is, it's awful. Who am I talking to tonight? Who am I talking to tonight? This is a safe place, and I believe, in fact, I know that the resurrection and the life is in this room. That things that you once thought were dead, God says, it will rise again. If you will but believe, it will rise again. You are going to encounter the resurrection and the life tonight. And just as Jesus met Mary and Martha outside of Bethany, he will meet with you tonight. Martha, a woman of action, meets him at the gate and says, Lord, if you had only been here when we called for you, Lazarus would not have died. Lazarus uses, excuse me, Martha uses an important word there that needs addressing. She uses the word if. What 
is your if. Identify the if that caused the funeral or the death in your life. It might be something like if my mother hadn't married my stepdad, the abuse never would have happened. If my husband would pay more attention to me like I asked him to, I wouldn't be tempted to cheat. If we had found the right doctor or the hospital, we would have caught the cancer sooner. What is your if? What is your if that you have replayed in your head over and over again, that conversation with God with anger and bitterness and sadness mixed in? If only Jesus had given you that job, if only Jesus had been here when you needed him, it wouldn't have died. What is your if? If you'd only been there for me, Jesus, this wouldn't have died. It would have lived but I speak prophetically over someone in this room tonight that what you thought was dead and buried, the resurrection and the life says it will live again. And all you need to do, ladies, is believe. All you have to do is believe. Martha, full of adrenaline from Jesus' words, for though she was speaking to Jesus fully man had encountered Jesus who was fully God and full of that. Can you imagine running back into her house, going to Mary and saying, the teacher is here and he is asking for you. Can you imagine what her spirit was doing as she has encountered the fullness of God in her conversation with Jesus Ladies, the teacher is here tonight, and he is asking for you. Bring your death certificate and present it to the resurrection and the life. Will you run to him like Mary ran to him, leaving her house quickly, falling at his feet? Will you meet him quickly? And as Mary asked that question to Jesus, Jesus looks at her. And he says, where did you leave the body? You've identified your if. Now I'm going to ask you where you left it. For a lot of us, as women, we are strong, right? We are leaders. And so often, what do we do? We hide it away. We hide the pain away. We put it metaphorically in a cave like where Lazarus is. And we put it deep into the cave and roll a stone over it. And Jesus is asking you tonight, where have you left it? Take me there. Take me there. Take me there. Don't acknowledge the voices that are around you that says you have prayed and prayed and prayed. Push through the fear. Push through the doubt. What is your if and where have you laid it? Because Jesus is coming to that tomb and he is coming to meet you tonight. If the band will come, we're going to wrap up. Can you picture yourself Picture it with me. You called for Jesus, just like Mary and Martha did before Lazarus ever died. And you called Jesus many a nights in your prayer closet, in your war room. 
and you said, Jesus, the one that you love, me, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. And you feel like Jesus doesn't respond. And you feel like it's dead and it's done and it's over with. Will you take Jesus tonight to the place where you left it? I want you to picture standing in front of the cave. Just like where Lazarus was buried. What have you buried there? Is it dreams? Is it finances? Is it a marriage? Is it a child? What if you laid there? Will you take Jesus to it? And not only will you take Jesus to it, but Jesus gives the command and he says, take the stone away. Take it away. Because he's asking us to do in the natural so that he can do the supernatural. See, we have to be willing, ladies. We have to be willing to not only take Jesus there, but we have to be willing to remove the stone and expose our hurt, expose our fear, expose our, our anxiety. We have to expose it and say, Jesus, here it is. I thought it was dead. I thought it was buried. I tried to ignore it. I tried to, I tried to just, just pretend it wasn't there because it hurts too much. But if you will do in the natural, then Jesus can do the supernatural. And Jesus can look at your cave. He can look at your if. And he can say, as the resurrection and the life, Come out, come out. If you will only believe, it will live again. Ladies, we serve a God that is not ignoring you, that has not forgotten you, but he sees you. And he not only sees you, he wants to live through you. You serve in a church and in a town that needs Jesus. You serve a family that needs Jesus. Will you come? Will you expose and show, show Jesus again? Say, Jesus, this is what it is. Will you take this and will you heal it? Will you heal it, Jesus? Because I am surrounded by an army of women that when the chains come off, that when the fear comes off, when the doubt comes off, when the anxiety comes off, we begin to move in power under the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only will your church be changed, but your city will be changed. Your state will be changed. Your family will be changed. In the name of Jesus, will you stand with me tonight? Jesus. Jesus. You are the resurrection and the life. 
help us tonight to take you to the place of past hurt, of past trauma. Take us to that place. We take you there, Jesus. Jesus, we're asking you to stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I'm going to let the band play, and I just want prayer to begin to fill this room. Identify your if. What is it? What is it? What is it that lies in that cave, in that deep, dark cave that you hoped was forgotten? Jesus is saying, take me there. Remove the stone and do in the natural so I can do the supernatural. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just let prayer, just let this be a place of surrendering to Jesus. And just begin to lift your hands all over this place. And just begin to take him there. Talk to him about it. Jesus. If you need to get out of your seat, get out of your seat. If you need to come to the front, come to the front. But the resurrection and the life is in this room. You know, sometimes it's hard because we're not able to see the whole picture right now. But God, the Bible says, can see the end from the beginning. He sees it all. He's Alpha and he's Omega. So for him, it's a lot easier. And I love that Holly was speaking about Mary and Martha. I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. But I want you to notice something full circle-wise. Mary has this opportunity. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus delayed his arrival. But it's important to remember that God's delay is not God's denial. It was going to happen. And he asked them, when he spoke to Martha, do you believe and Martha responds, yes, I believe that at the end of our, theologically, Martha was sound. But Jesus, he's almost like saying, yeah, I know you think you believe. But what I'm about to do is going to take your faith to another level. See, they thought they had faith. And then they saw their dead brother come to life. You thought you had faith until that thing you hid comes back to life. And God begins to restore the things that were dead and the things that were broken. And I want you to understand why this is so important because you may not get it in the moment, but listen, she got to see the resurrection of her brother and maybe that's the reason she didn't flee when Jesus was being hung on the cross. Because she said, I've seen you do it, Lord. So if you did it for my brother, there's no reason you won't do what you say you're going to do. So she stood at the cross when everybody else left and she said, God, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. You are who you say you are, and you will do what you will say you will do. And now listen, if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, he dies. He's buried. But who comes to clean up his grave? Mary and the crew. Who is entrusted by the angel of the Lord with the very first gospel presentation a group of women their sisterhood and among them Mary why 
because I've seen you move. You did it in my brother's life, in my family. I've experienced you on a personal level. So when times got difficult and everybody else ran, I could stand on the cross. Why? Because God gave me greater faith then for greater obstacles now. So God, I'm not going to run anymore. Last time I ran, this time I stand. I'm ready for this now. And even when it all seems bleak, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up even if it's at your grave. And I'm going to watch as the Lord does it again. And listen, it's important that you understand it. And I want to make sure that I'm clear about this. What I'm not saying is that all your hopes and dreams are suddenly going to come back to life. And it's going to be tenfold. and Because that's not just always how God operates. But God will always do what he says he's going to do. Our faith is not in our hope, it's in our God. And so God, listen, I trust you to do what only you can do. If God chose to leave Lazarus dead, then fine, because guess what? Lazarus did die again. But he had everlasting life after that. And so it's important to understand, ladies, it's not about our dreams, our hopes, our happiness. It's about our relationship with Jesus. And the fact that he will be with us if we are still with him. So I just want to pray for all the Marys and the Marthas in this room. I need you to understand from my perspective and my heart, we are so desperate for this army of women to rise up. Because I believe that as you rise, it's going to encourage our young people to rise. It's going to encourage our men to rise. It's going to encourage the church to continue to elevate. There is a place for you in this church, no matter what your role. There's no better or worse. It's just everybody does their part. And as everyone does their part, the whole body moves. I want to pray for the Mary and Marthas in this room that God would lift you up in this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you even for the uncomfortableness of exposing some of these areas that are going on in our life. God, I thank you for the courage that the Holy Spirit gives us to be honest and to be bold. I thank you that this whole room was an altar to you, God. And that we could boldly come before you with what we're going through. And God, I pray that as we begin to expose those dead areas in our lives and where we've buried them, God, give us the strength to roll away that stone, to not keep it hidden any longer, to not use it as an excuse to hide behind it, to, to allow anxiety and fear to creep us in, God, and keep us in our grave, but to roll that stone away and to allow you to do what you want to do. Lord, I pray for the Mary and Marthas in this room, God. I know that right now it's difficult to see it. But there will come a time where you will use this situation for your honor, for your glory. For your word says that you gather our tears in a bottle. You don't waste a single one. And what we've cried today will be used to water something great tomorrow. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, keep us faithful and keep us steadfast. No matter how the situation looks no matter how hard the waves rage around us, keep us steadfast, keep us at your feet, keep us in your presence. Help us, almighty God, to stand at the foot of that cross when everybody else runs, to run and proclaim that gospel as you lead us to and guide us to, to be a woman of faith and courage, to be the mothers, the sisters, the wives, the daughters that you have called them to be, God, to rise up, and do it all in the name of Jesus, our mighty God. We thank you, Lord, for tonight, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you 
for Holly and the worship team and everybody that's put worked so hard at putting this event together. But God, at the end of the day, it's for your honor, it's for your glory. And so that we could draw closer to you and be more like you. So lead us, Heavenly Father. Let your voice be the loudest in this room. And that we would walk out of here with the very presence of God upon our lives. We thank you for this, Lord. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said? Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise, ladies? Amen. How many would agree it was good to be in God's house tonight? Amen. Hey, let me just encourage you as we get ready to dismiss. Part of what we did this whole month, the purpose behind it, was to create atmospheres and opportunities for you to come together and be united. Jesus' last prayer before he ascended to heaven in front of his disciples was a prayer of unity. Because he understood that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But inwardly, we could destroy ourselves. And so, ladies, I want to remind you, this wasn't meant to sustain you. This is meant to spark something that then you will carry on in the weeks and months to come. So I encourage you, keep the group text going. Follow up with each other. Invite somebody out to coffee or to your house. Go to, for a walk in the park. Just continue to build relationships with one another, even if it's just with one person. Keep working on building that relationship. One easily becomes two. You don't need a billion friends. You just need a good, strong core. But we want to encourage you, ladies, keep on doing that. Please do not wait for the church to put together another event. We're not going to hold your hand and make you friends. You're old enough now. You can, hi, my name is Susan. Hi, my name is Kathy. Let's be friends. Great, we're friends now. That's, that's how easy it is. Okay? If you're waiting for the church to create all your relationships, then you misunderstand. We're just the place where those opportunities happen, but you got to take advantage of that opportunity. Amen? Amen? So we encourage you, ladies, hey, on your way out, get somebody's number, set something up, connect, do something else. Say, hey, listen, next Friday I'm free. We don't have that thing. You want to get together? Have something and have a good time. Amen? God bless you, ladies. We love you. Go in the grace of God. And uh, don't forget your glasses.